Welcome to Pharma Talk Radio. I'm Danny McCarthy. Today, I'm pleased to introduce Dr. Marianne Rizk, Senior VP R&D Digital Strategy for Acuvia, who will be leading a discussion on monitoring in the digital age. Welcome, Marianne. Thank you. Such a pleasure to be here, really talking about disruptive transformation. And I'm really excited to introduce our panel speakers. Um, today, we're going to be talking about monitoring in the digital age and truly looking at the significance and importance and how digital and tech are coming together to really transform the way we think about monitoring and think about the intelligent capabilities that are gonna drive improved outcomes for patients, sites, and sponsors. And with me, I have all three really representing in terms of the voice of the patients, um, the impact for sites, and then clearly um, how we can affect change through the uh, partnership with sponsors. So. Without further ado, let's introduce um, Mr. Mike Middleton, who is our patient advocate. Michael, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Marianne. Pleasure to be here this morning. And I also am accompanied by Mr. Ray Riley from TG Therapeutics, who is the VP of Clinical Ops and really looking to improve some innovation and change in his organization as he scales. Ray, thanks for, for being with us today. Uh, glad to be here. Thanks for having us and, and uh, gathering us for this great discussion. And uh, last but not least, uh, we have Mr. Rajneesh Patel, who has been a long leading advocate for centralized remote monitoring and risk-based monitoring. He is the head process and technology and analyst strategy here at IQVIA. Rajneesh, we look forward to your insights and recommendations on how we can move forward. Indeed, Marian. Hello everyone, and delighted to be joined by Michael and, and Ray here. So if centralized remote monitoring, centralized monitoring were not on your radar, given the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we are really bringing this to your door exactly to understand what is the impact as an industry that's going to affect change. Today, we're really going to be thinking about what is going to be not only the trends and the changes that we've all experienced in the last, let's say, nine months of a POV, uh, we had to really embrace ensuring the business continuity. As an industry, we together learned that data is truly the new currency in the modernization age, where sponsors and sites had to partner together how to embrace decentralized trial capabilities for patients. So we ensured patients are continuing to have their needs met with clinical trial visit schedules. And so what that's done is changed the way we need to think about monitoring capability. Throughout the uh, life cycle of RBM, and many of you that may have all together been in the industry, we, we certainly want to be able to embrace next generation capabilities so that we can predict risk before they happen, happen so that we're able to increase patient safety. And so um, without further ado, I'm going to be going into some of the modernization, some of these process change that really need to be adapted and partnered with sponsors so that we can expand on technology capabilities that are already available. A big thank you to the regulatory and agencies for bending and flexing with us as we're able to accommodate technologies that can do things like remote monitoring, that can do things like ensuring um, we can even reshape some roles out in the industry to provide more insights so that at the end of the day, we can improve patient safety together. And we're also going to hear about how the role of the series are changing and evolving, how we're modernizing that capability, and how we can really reduce the approximate 30% of clinical trial costs that are related to traditional monitoring standards. We're going to be really opening this up in terms of what are some of the short-term low-hanging fruit changes, as well as some specific long-term adaptions that we can think about. With that, I'm going to start off with uh, Mr. Ray um, from TG Therapeutics, really discussing how COVID has really accelerated the need for disruptive technologies. Um, from a biotech perspective, 
really understanding how have monitoring strategies maybe you're thinking about both in short and long term, and what are some of the willingness to innovate and to really move away from the traditional 100% SDV that we've seen and move uh, towards a more centralized remote-based monitoring, right? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think when uh, COVID hit us fully in March and April, it it was it was a bit stark to to hear from our sites that they weren't allowing our CRAs to to the to their centers and and so it made us reflect on what's our primary job our primary job is to make sure our patients are safe and we and we do that through the review of the medical records and and the site data and what that forced us to do is pull back and say what what do we have at our fingertips already and and again it recasts the importance of reviewing what's available and the data in it and, and I think what it did is, is it made us realize we still have a lot of information that we need to take advantage of. And I think, you know, in the past 20 years, a lot of people have talked about central monitoring, risk-based monitoring, but I think this forced us into the conversation, uh, both at TG and in the industry is, l let's take advantage. Let's change the way we think about monitoring. Let's change the way we use the data. So I think, you know, from day one, we did what all the other companies did is, is we took, took an account of what we had, uh, and began to sort of de develop short-term risk-based approaches to our review. And then and, and let's, let's be clear, risk-based isn't saying I'm going to do less than all of it. It's what's important and how do I take care of the most important things. Thank you, Ray. I think that's really important, recognizing the uh, appetite for change. You know, next we're going to go through, you know, with the new cycles of pushing closely um, to have more transparency in data, now that we're having you know, different solutions and tools that are now collecting data on a remote level, decentralized, you know, new way of working with the patient safety being at the forefront. Michael, I'd love to hear from you as a patient advocate. What are your biggest concerns for patients in a clinical trial process as they're embracing some of these new tools? And what really gets you excited for this ability to improve patient safety? Yeah, Marianne, it's it's a really important topic to be thinking about because for, for me, as I begin to think about clinical trials, and, and I think about them all the time, really, is is patient safety first and foremost, um, you know, and, and then being able to essentially access that trial and participate in that trial. So patient experience becomes of the utmost important, and, and it's not just about patient but it's about that family partnership because some of us start in the world as pediatric patients. So, so that really focuses around safety, uh, engagement and, and access, uh, particularly access to information. And I think that's the more exciting part as we move into sort of the new paradigms of clinical trials, the amount of information that's out there and the amount of data that's out there uh, as we begin to look for, for trust in that data and, and particularly looking at uh, the CIA triad, so making sure confidentiality, uh, integrity, and availability uh, becomes very important for us uh, as it moves to real time, as you've mentioned. Great. Right. And I think um, that real-time analytics is something we all are trying to embrace, how to even analyze how as AI and ML technologies really going to affect impact for the roles of the sites, sponsors together. Um, and then, you know, with that, Rajneesh, love to hear, I mean, you've been in this space for quite a number of years, being a real leader and an advocate for transforming risk-based monitoring, thinking about data, looking at how we're really shaping information that individuals can react from and making better decision-making. How do you see, 
like the roles of the CRA changing. I mean, it's a significant role that we're seeing that continues to uh, improve its impact for sites, but love to hear your perspectives. Indeed, Marianne. And some of those highlights you mentioned, right, the, the transformation that we're seeing through operational models like risk-based monitoring, center monitoring, and then to Ray's point and Michael's on how the pandemic has really played the role of an accelerator or a catalyst to rethink the way we've been managing some of our monitoring capabilities. And to your point on the clinical research associates, how the CRA's roles are changing, we've, uh, we've looked at this very closely right in the past few years on how risk-based monitoring models are already helping us do a lot of the monitoring activities through remote capabilities. And when we talk about the first principles like patient safety and, and protocol compliance, the capabilities around digital technologies and the analytics, though these are buzzwordy sometimes, the real operational implementation of some of the advanced analytics, the machine learning and artificial intelligence models, these are really catapulted, right, in my view, the ability to look at data remotely. And I think Michael was mentioning that, how can we look at some of these insights in more real time? And from a sponsor perspective, which Ray is representing here for TG, the ability to have our monitors through remote mechanisms identify certain early signals, right? Can we get a bit proactive and not wait for a CRS visit to a site to uncover that there are you know, compliance issues or that the site needs some support in certain areas. All of this can now be done remotely, digitally, like you said, to the theme of you know, how we embrace some of these digital technologies. These analytic capabilities are truly helping us get to that real core of early signal detection, get proactive risk identification, and this whole predictive model that we built around how to now look at clinical data is helping us serve the patients better in terms of, you know, through our investigators, providing the right insights and helping make some crucial decisions around eligibility of patients for the trials, right? Very important. We have the consenting process. We have the eligibility conditions. How do we help mine the data to make sure that we're making the right decisions? And then when the trial kicks off and starts, managing some of those patient safety related elements around whether it's under reporting of events or there is trends in certain protocol deviations, pick up those specific insights, make them very consumable and simple through our digital mechanisms for the end users to say, here's a particular trend for action. How do we communicate this to the sites and get that monitoring workflow, be smart enough, not just identify the risks, but raise the risks to the right roles. And then how the CRA's role is evolving, and this is something we are very, uh, very, very passionate about, is to help CRA's do the most valuable activities for sites, which is around supporting eligibility, supporting enrollment, helping the sites through some of the quality uh, and regulatory requirements, and therefore be effective at helping patients go through these trials in the most efficient and safe manner that we could. Uh, and I think that's where we're making that the biggest change, yeah. Ray? Yeah, Rajneesh, I really wanna pull on that um, point that you just made about changing the CRA's perspective. I think, as you've enunciated incredibly well, that we have brought to bear um, 
technological advances to the clinical trial space, especially around evaluating data. But as it relates to changing the series kind of mindset, I think we also have to ask ourselves the relative importance of the activities we do when we clean. Traditionally, we've put a lot upon the CRAs at the sites and, and stated that was the gold standard. If we completed 100% of our work at the site, that was, that was expected to be exceptionally good. The data should be clean. And, you know, check my math, but the average phase three study has between a million and a million and a half data points. And then when you multiply that by the interconnectedness of those data points, the numbers that a CRA is expected to get right is astronomical. So there's no wonder that they might make some mistakes. So I think the change actually starts first with what's the relative importance of on-site monitoring versus the relative importance of centralizing a review of the data. And I think in the past you know, as EDC has come to the forefront, I think in 97 is when the first version really came out, was remote review augmented uh, the site management, the site monitoring. And I think I think what COVID has done is it forced us to ask the question, perhaps on-site monitoring augments our central monitoring, and we ought to put a greater importance in the analytics that we derive from the data that's entered in. Yeah, and, and I think um, just to kind of add to that, you know, from a biotech perspective, recognizing that data continues to proliferate and with the need to improve the ability for automation, I mean, speed, agility, these are where SaaS technologies and analytics can come together. Someone asked me what the operational definition of digital, it's where data and technology meet. That's where that transformation happens, where you know, we're, we're looking at um, establishing a common set of applications that can integrate, that can expand the ability to allow insights to move faster, to ensure that we've got the capabilities that we're collecting data from, again, a myriad of those wearables from patients, decentralized trials, all to make sure that at the end of the day, that CRA is not looking at 15 different systems to get a holistic view of the of the study, right? We can give them the ability to improve their productivity so we can have them focus on what matters most, the patient, right? And so Ray and Rajneesh, I couldn't agree more. I think what one of the things that this really triggers is, so now that we know this, now that we know that technologies and analytics, you know, are available, are, are things that we can certainly now adapt. And we went through this, uh, called it a POV phase, where do you see, Ray, the change that can happen? So for an organization that's looking to scale their business, what do you think are some of the practical next steps to start adopting these solutions, processes, and then also that relationship back to the sites? Yeah, great question. And you always have to remember that it's the patients who we're primarily looking after. You know, they volunteer their their time um, and, and their efforts, and it's their patient data that we're taking care of. And so whatever we do, we have to keep in the forefront that we're looking after that. And, and you know, as we think about what's the next step, I think uh, anyone that you would ask in the industry, they have a strong passion and compulsion to look after that data in the best possible way, which is why everyone says the best possible way is send very talented people to the sites to work with the investigators to ensure that the data, uh, the patient's experience was properly captured. I think the next step is, is really overcoming the fear of change. When you've done something for so long that's real, yielded results, it's hard to say, wait a minute, why don't we just continue doing if that's the optimal approach? <laughs> I think 
I think what what I've seen through COVID, I've seen through engaging in in technology is that we'll look back years from now and say, why didn't we engage analytics sooner? Because it's not an augmentation, it's a significant improvement to our oversight of the data. And so I think it, it's, it's, that, it's that change management step one. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to work with an organization that sees the patient first and sees engaging uh, technology as as a great solution to to making everything better. So I, I I'm, I'm I'm pleased that for me the change management isn't non-existent, but I see the resistance in the industry. Yeah, no, I I agree with you, and and really motivated to hear um, some of the motivation to change. With the myriad of different technologies available for patients and sites that sponsors can elect. We recognize that patients now can join a clinical trial leveraging virtual trials, as well as CRAs have capabilities conducting remote monitoring. Rajneesh, can you comment on some of these tools that we're uh, seeing integrations and opportunities for better collaboration amongst patients and sponsors and sites? So in our efforts to use analytics and machine learning and transforming the roles for clinical research associates, we're also working very closely with our industry leaders to introduce the direct-to-patient elements that can help the concept of virtual trials and decentralized trials to realize the patient-centricity nature of our design and help patients along in their in their journey through these trial content. You know, Michael, recognizing that okay. it's really the, the 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 voice of the patient that we follow in their uh, that this new digital journey from being aware of a clinical trial recruited, randomized in, and then clearly as we get them to be even engaged. How, how do you believe now uh, with leveraging technologies, we can drive better outcomes for the patient and from their experience in looking at clinical trials and even possibly joining another, right, and returning. So we certainly uh, look to ensure that we can improve that patient retention. Curious as you, as you see technology evolving and enhancing where do you think patients' expectations are to drive better outcomes are going to be? Yeah, well, I mean, we have an, an interesting dilemma on our hands here, Marianne, because as, as technology jumps forward and, and COVID has shifted the dynamic here, really, you know, where are trial sites? Are they, are, are they in your home uh, or in another place? Or in, and, and how are we collecting data? Um, we almost jump up the expectation of patients and the community that participate in clinical trials, particularly now as we try to reach out and, and make sure that new communities are included in trials. Um, you know, we, we, we risk making sure that we have to keep to that level of experience, but continue to in, embrace change. And so as we kind of look at the next generations of technology to look at things like predicting risk, um, and maybe predicting your risk of an adverse event as you're in a trial, right? Um, we go back to safety there. The ability to kind of look at data, harmonize data, uh, but really ensure that we're being transparent about it in real time back to patients and those that are participating in trials and their family members that are participating, it gives us an opportunity to really look at this as a true partnership because expectation will begin to change and it, and it has begun to change already. Uh, so if we, can, if we can figure out ways to continue to be better, continue to provide more transparency around that data and the process for patients and their families, 
uh, we can, you know, we can continue to hone in on how do we retain people in trials, right? And that's about trust. It always comes back to trust uh, and working with trusted providers, right? Those that are at sites, those that are the technology vendors, to be able to ensure that the bottom line is always about patient safety, um, but that we're working, working more towards a partnership, you know, and I think one of the expectations that has come out of continued conversation is about getting data back into the hands of the patients and the community participating in trials. Uh, so that becomes a big effort there and a big lift, which, which we do have the ability to do, um, and then impact outcomes, as, as you uh, alluded to in the question, um, making sure that there are better outcomes and that we're not leaving anybody out of the trial in all of those arms of the trial, particularly as there might be multi-phase, multi-pronged trials. And, and if we look at new types of adaptive trials, right, or other types of pragmatic trials across countries, not just in the United States, uh, we want to make sure we treat everybody equally and access to information becomes of paramount importance, which I guess kind of leads into the other technology components that people are starting to leverage, which is really AI and machine learning, um, and how can we best use them. And I think that's really the next generation uh, of technologies that we have to continue to think about that will enhance patient effort and patient experience and engagement. We, we need to look at it with a critical lens to make sure that as we kind of bring these new technologies into the place, we, we reflect to think about how do they enhance the experience um, but how do we work in partnership? And, and again, that, a lot of that comes back down to data for me and ensuring trust, right? And ensuring good cyber hygiene practices and good security protocols are in place to work on that and the availability of data, which is things that I think all of us are kind of alluding to and thinking about, which is extremely important. Excellent. I have to say all three perspectives have been incredibly meaningful. And if there was ever a more exciting time to be working in clinical trial development, working in digital and transformation, now's the time. Can't imagine what clinical trial is going to look like for our kids. But I just want to summarize some of the pearls of wisdoms that we heard on today's call, recognizing this transformation that's happening in data, in technology that's transforming the way we're digitizing the experience for site sponsors and organizations alike is really recognizing this disruptive innovation technologies here. Um, we heard from Wright recognizing that change is, is absolutely inevitable, really looking at that voice of the patient to understand what are gonna be some of those incremental impact on their experience. Michael, you provide a lot of valuable input in terms of what the expectations of providers are going to be as we're ensuring that this is an area that we can continue to trust and provide data transparency. Rajneesh, you really provided an interesting perspective on um, how analytics are really changing the way people think and, and make some key decisions, providing that insight earlier and really empowering sites to even evolve their ability to, to look at some roles that may help enhance that uh, relationship with the patient. And I think most importantly, I think we all can understand that it really took an effort for us to be unified in our thinking and, and agree on moving forward from the change. And so I, I would say that from today's podcast, that's really understanding these technologies are available you know, today to advance. It really is about embracing some of these changes as well as sharing those best practices. To learn more, we're happy to send information that you can go and, and download our, our white paper. We're really excited about this continuous journey. Thank you, gentlemen, for your time and really excited for the next step ahead we have in, in transformation and clinical trials. Thanks, Marianne. Great topic. Great discussion. Yeah, thank you.
Thank you. Thank you so much, everyone, for that great discussion about monitoring in the digital age. Again, you were just listening to Dr. Marianne Risk, Senior VP of Digital R&D for IQVIA, Michael Middleman, Patient Advocate, Ray Riley, VP of Clinical Operations for TG Therapeutics, and Rajneesh Patil, Head of Process Technology and Analytics for IQVIA. For more information about PharmaTalk Podcasts, visit theconferenceforum.org. Thank you, everyone.